Welcome friends to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. The dangers of overthinking and how to be free of overthinking. Hi, I'm Diane Allen here to talk to you about a very common topic. It happens all the time with my clients and sometimes even with myself until I've learned how to master not letting the monkey mind and that anxious thinking get in my head. There's so many dangers to overthinking And sometimes people think, well, it's just part of the stress in the world, or well, it's this, well, it's that. Well, what I have to say is it's not good for you. It's not good to let your nervous system and your brain and your thought pattern become addicted to a constant struggle, a constant moving. That's not what we're meant to be doing. We're actually designed biologically and neurologically to be at rest and harmony most of the time with short terms of stress and more rest and harmony quite the opposite of our current culture. So I really want to talk about how overthinking in a practical way really creates danger for us. Because sometimes I think none of us really, really understand that. Or we don't pay attention to the consequence. We just think it's a thing. The gifted people I work with, a lot of them comment on the constant chatter in their mind. Or they're tired, completely tired, And then the moment they lay down in bed, their brain starts up again. Or they can't stop thinking to the point where it really stops them from making good decisions. And those things really impair our happiness, our success, and our ultimate fulfillment in life. So let's go over the nine dangers and kind of see, and you can notice with me, do you have them? Have you had them? Or do you know somebody has them? And they probably need to see this this video or hear this podcast. The first one is it impairs your sleep. Poor sleep is one of the biggest dangers of overthinking. I used to have that struggle so often when years and years ago, actually, when I would lay down to go to bed, I would be wide awake, even though I was exhausted beforehand. Sometimes I would even wake up in the morning, in the middle of the night, early morning hours, like two to three in the morning four in the morning sometimes, and then take an hour and a half or longer to go back to sleep because my brain was thinking of ideas. Now, sometimes it was thinking of creative visionary kinds of ideas. Sometimes it was solving problems for work or family. And sometimes it had like an anxiety that went with it. And I was just perseverating or thinking over and over and over about something. But regardless of which kind it was, I wasn't sleeping right and it impaired my health, my happiness, my ability to function at work the way I wanted to, everything. Why? Because I didn't get the rest I needed. And you see it, there's tons and tons and tons of research, more and more about the importance of rest, especially for those of us who are intensely sensitive. We need rest. So overthinking gets in the way of your sleep. Number two, overthinking can come from living in fear. So sometimes when we're overthinking, it's because we're afraid. Maybe we're afraid of failure, or maybe the number one fear is fear of success. Because some people have an unconscious belief system about success 
that they're really not paying attention to and they till they keep sabotaging. They go and get go after something work really hard and then they stop or they sabotage it or they break it all down. Why? Because there's a belief system about success that isn't working, conscious or unconscious, and they create the self-sabotage. There's also the fear of not getting what I want. I want that raise or I want that relationship or I want that thing. And so I'm going to overthink about all of that. Then there's also the fear of losing what I have. That's a big one here in the United States because so many people have a lot of things. And it's, you know, the old phrase when I was in high school and college was he who dies with the most toys wins. It's all about getting, having more and more and more. And so the more we have, the more we're controlled by what we have often, not all the time. So that whole fear can keep the overthinking going. When you're asleep, wake you up, can impair you during the day. You can be having a conversation with somebody and then you just drift off to the overthinking and you completely detach from what's important. A client I had who, um, the dad, was had two small children and he said, you know, it took three times for the kids to go, dad, dad, that in order to get his attention because he was so distracted and overthinking that he was even missing his own children while he was physically playing with them because he wasn't present. It really impairs us and it really fuels that fear. Analysis paralysis is the next one, the next danger. That means I just freeze myself with my thinking. I'm overthinking so much, figuring, 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 figuring that I end up paralyzing myself. I end up not being able to make decisions the way I want to. I end up not making good choices. I end up being stuck. Many clients over the years have come to me with that whole analysis paralysis where they're thinking so much that they're stuck in their own way and they can't get out of their own way. Or at least they don't think they can. There needs to be a shift. And so when we get caught in this overthinking trap, we end up paralyzing our own ability to problem solve, to connect with people and all of those things. It's really a danger. The next one is we start to doubt and second guess ourselves. That's so important too, because when you doubt yourself, it undermines your competence and undermines your confidence and you end up second guessing yourself. And sometimes it can even lead to a form of imposter syndrome because I'm thinking, 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 and I'm creating doubt, which is a distraction from who you are and what you're meant to be doing and what's happening in the world. It's so important to realize that you're valuable You have what you need. You're fully resourced, really. And you don't need to be second-guessing yourself and doubting yourself. And when we overthink things, you know, go back over that test 500 times and recheck all the answers, right? Or keep rehashing things in our mind. We create doubt. We create that second-guessing experience. It gets in the way of our life because the chances are high that most of the things you're competent in and confident about, you are competent and confident. And so even if there's a small bit of doubt or you wanna double check yourself, that's totally cool. It's when the overthinking just keeps going and going and going 
and going and fueling this doubt, the second guessing, and this imposter things, all of those things. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work very well. So we want to find a way, a different way, which I'm going to cover here in a minute. Then we have headaches. Overthinking can create headaches. Usually right here in the brain or right behind the eyes where we get these headaches. Sometimes it creates tension in the shoulders. So we get them in the back of our neck and the back of our head. But headaches can come from actually overworking what's going on. It's a signal that you need to take a break on the inside. I have a lot of friends of mine who get headaches and they just think, oh, that's just a part of life, get headaches. Well, I don't get headaches. The only headache I've ever gotten was after a car accident and it was secondary to whiplash. It was not because I was overthinking. But I know when I had that headache and how much it hurt and how long it hurt, I really, really learned a higher level of compassion for my friends and everyone else that has headaches all the time because it hurt and it was miserable and I was disconnected from who I was. And I can't even imagine dealing with that in life every day. But understand that if you're overthinking and some people I know brag about it, like, oh, I overthink all the time. That's not something to brag about because what you're doing is you're stressing your system. You're causing problems in your system. You're stressing it and you don't want to do that, do you? No, you want to have a happy, healthy, fulfilled system, right? So we really have to begin to start making changes that way and not think so much, give ourselves a break. Another cause, a danger of overthinking is stiffness in our body, stiffness in our muscles. I can usually tell if somebody's overthinking because they're all rigid. Maybe they've sometimes had their fists clench or they're really tight in there. And you can just tell that if you push them, they might fall over because there's no flexibility. You want to have flexibility in your body so your muscles will move, your body will move, you'll feel really good. And when we're overthinking, we're walking around like a stick with the head brain. And all we're doing is creating more and more rigidity and more and more disconnection from the moment and more and more, uh, might we say, stiffness. We don't want that. We want to be free and flexible. We want to be able to be in our body, be in our world, and not have our mind running the show to the point that we're paralyzed physically with our joints hurting, our muscles hurting. You know, you can overthink yourself into a healing crisis. That's not the goal. It's just not the goal. Another danger is one that I used to have a lot of, and that's fatigue, where because either we're not sleeping or we're spending so much time thinking that we end up with decision fatigue, compassion fatigue, or just plain outright fatigue, tiredness. You know, I see it in people who do a lot of overthinking during the day, usually mid-afternoon, they're tired or they're disconnected or they're taking a nap. Why? Because it takes a lot of energy to keep that going. Not worth it. So fatigue in all of its ways, compassion fatigue and decision fatigue and just physical tiredness are a danger of overthinking. So when we do it for long periods of time, we actually exhaust our neurochemistry. We exhaust our nervous system. So our vagus nerve and all the other nerves are like, what do we do? What do we do? Because it's just so much stuff. Remember, your head believes your own voice above all others. So when you're overthinking in there, whatever you're overthinking about, 
is just polluting your whole system. And even if you're thinking about something great, overthinking can pollute and damage something that started out great, like a really exciting vacation or getting married or having friends or whatever it is, right? When we overdo it, too much of a good thing creates a problem. So we really, really want to begin to back it up a little bit and think about the things that are important, but maybe not as much, right? So we're not overthinking. The eighth thing is the inability to stay in the moment. And this is so important because you hear it all the time, live in the moment, live in the now. There's all these great spiritual teachers out there that talk about it. And we all know, and you've all had it happen to you too. I know you have. When you're talking with somebody in a conversation and they drift off and you keep talking and then they don't remember what you said. You could even test them. They don't know, remember. Or you've done it where you're either on the phone or maybe even face-to-face -face like this, talking, and then you just drift off. That co that's caused by overthinking because I'm thinking about something else in an inappropriate time. I need to be focused where I am. So that's a, that's a kind of overthinking and it's a danger of it. And when we miss the present moment, we're actually missing our lives because we can only live in this present moment. So when we're overthinking about the future, right? We're overthinking about the past. We're not in the moment and we're missing our own life. And life is beautiful and glorious and we want to be in the moment. So let's start bringing ourselves back, coming back to the moment coming back to the moment and release the obsession and the compulsion to always be thinking. And the ninth danger, there's many more dangers. I'm just covering nine here, but the ninth danger is work addiction. Now, regular substance abuse, addiction and eating disorders and things like that come from a heart, a grief. Um, they're an expect and they're um, an effect of a spent cause. Work addiction, however, comes from an egoic addiction, meaning my brain, my mind, my belief system is fueling the idea that I have to keep working. So we've all learned it, especially when I was younger, that keep working, work as hard as you can. Work, 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 and one day you'll get to retire and everything will be peaches and cream. Get that pension, get that gold watch, make sure you save enough money in your 401k, all of those things. So the point where people drive themselves into such a dysregulation that they have heart attacks or die or they make it two weeks into their retirement or a day into their retirement or a year into their retirement. It's much more effective to not be addicted to work and live in that compulsive state of busyness, which is antithetical to our, our neurology and our biology. It makes much more sense to begin to slow down and realize that that belief system, that thing we were taught to work ourselves to the bone, and that's what our value is, is old news. It doesn't work, and it's not friendly to our body. So there are the nine dangers of overthinking. There's more. I know some people that have gotten in car accidents because they're distracted and they're overthinking, right? I've seen all kinds of examples. And you're probably thinking of some yourself as I name these. Oh, I have that. No, I don't have that. The point is that overthinking creates stress in our body, it creates stress in our brain, right? It creates stress in our emotions where we clench our jaw, we, we have headaches, we don't feel good, our joints and muscles start hurting. 
and we put enough stress on our system, it starts having physical breakdown or physical problems because we're putting all of this extra on it. So what I'd like to suggest is that we begin to understand that there's another way and that way is actually more effective. And it's where the strong people are because if you're strong in your mind and in your discipline and in your constitution, you can make the effective changes to live the life you want and be free. So let's talk about some of the things to help us become free of overthinking. Like what are some things we can do to break the pattern, to um, awaken ourselves so that we're feeling better and all of those things. Like what can we do really? Well, the first thing is let your creativity out. Because I, I had somebody today earlier say, well, you know, I don't know if I have a lot of creativity. And I said, oh yes, you do. Humans are on planet, on the planet to create. We create babies. We create food, we create all kinds of stuff. Creative Creativity is not just about a sculptor or a painter or a musician, though it does include those things. So one of the best ways to help get rid of the overthinking is to create. Like I'm an author, I love doing my podcasts, I now do quilting. One of the ways I create also for many years has been sailing, you know, it's a sport but it's also a creative endeavor because you're creating the experience. And when you're in that space, there's no room for overthinking. And not only that, the letting the creative part of you out balances your nervous system, balances your digestion, lowers your blood pressure, and relaxes your jaw and the tension in your shoulders. So it's so important to let the creativity out, whether it's journaling, scribbling, actually doing like music or art, or dance, right? But to let it out because overthinking constricts the body and we hold ourselves in. What we want to do is do something creative so we can kind of open our shoulders and let our real amazing creative self show up to the party. That's the goal. The second thing we can do to be free is learn how to reframe things. Cognitive reframing. It's so important. Like, oh, instead I have, I, instead of I have to get up, oh my God, this is going to be such a hard day. To man, I get to get up, this is great. Staying in the moment, doing the things we need to do by cognitively using our overthinking brain to stop the overthinking by reframing things to make them friendly to us. Like I have little stickers all around, all around my office because we're sitting in my office. I have all kinds of things that remind me of things to help me not overthink. Like, I am who I say I am. Or, my inner dialogue reflects integrity, authenticity, and happiness. Or, I have joy in every moment. Because in every moment, there is joy. Even in the sorrowful moments, in the painful moments, in the angry moments. So if you discipline your brain to search for the things that serve you, that work for you, you don't need to overthink, you won't obsess, but more importantly, you'll be focused in a direction that serves you, serves your freedom and your happiness and your transformation and your success, right? So important to really pay attention. Two things about reframing. One is you say it in the present tense, I am, not I'm going to be or I was, because that does not keep you in the present moment. And we've already decided that one of the dangers of overthinking is getting you out of the moment. So the reframing gets you back in the moment. Now, we always want to start with I because you want to own it. So important to do that. 
but you want first person present tense. The other thing that's important is to not use a negated word. A negated word is don't, can't, won't, or a general word like all or none. Like I don't want to eat Italian is not the healthy reframe. The healthy reframe is I desire, and then what do you desire? Do you desire Thai food or Chinese food or salad? It's not what you don't want. What do you want? Like, oh, I don't want to work 100 hours a week. A more effective reframe would be I want to choose a career where I'm working 30 hours a week. I choose 30 hours a week instead of I don't want to work 100 hours a week. Another example is when somebody says um, they're going to go to their boss and say, I want to raise. And I say, and I ask specifically how much, and they don't have an answer. And I go, well, so if your boss gave you a dollar more an hour or a dime more an hour, is that good enough? What is it that you're looking for specifically? Because the more specific we can be, and the more we use positive language, not negative language, then it takes us out of that overthinking and obsessing mode. Because we can be in the moment, we're clear about who we are, so it gets rid of the self-doubt, it undoes some of those fears, and it allows ourselves to live in better authenticity and integrity. So when we present to our boss we want more money, or we start making decisions in our business to work less hours or whatever it is, we can hold on to that integrity because we've been clear with ourselves and we're saying what we do desire, not what we don't want. The other thing is we want to connect with nature. Um, that's a big one for me. I love the full moon. I love being out and watching the stars. I love hugging trees. Nature includes our little animals. We're like, I love my dog. I love animals. I just moved to North Carolina recently and there's chipmunks in my backyard every day. And I go back and I go, oh, look at the little chipmunks. Connecting with nature is so important to get us out of ourselves, get us out of this compulsion to think, 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 think. It's so important. And so I always tell people, go outside if you're not used to it before the sun comes up and sit and watch the sunrise. Watch what happens to the sky. How many shades of green do you see during that time, that 15 minutes, 20 minutes you're out there? As the sun changes all the leaf colors, how many do you see? Or go out when there's a sunset, you know? Find a transition where you can really attune and connect with the greater universe. The elegant simplicity of our universe is absolutely stunning. And when we're connected to that and we're one with that and we're feeling unified with that, Overthinking is impossible. It just drifts away. The next one um, to free yourself is to breathe deeply. Breathing, expanding your lungs all the way into your chest and all the way out. And exhaling a little further than you inhaled. Allowing yourself to just decompress your vagus nerve, your nervous system, allowing your cortisol level to drop which is a stress response, and letting your body come into the moment, just focusing on breathing in and out and in and out. It makes everything so much better. And it allows us to really, really, really experience connection to our body, our mind, our spirit, our world. It's so vital. It's vital for our success. It's vital for our freedom. It's vital for our health. 
to be connected. And our breath is the first place we connect. The next way to free yourself is manage your calendar. And this is not just for business people. Manage your calendar. I had a client recently who just was going on and on and on, not going to sleep till three in the morning, even with nighttime sleeping stuff full of anxious and overthinking because they're trying to manage everything in their head. Well, I have to run this errand. I have to go to the grocery store. I have to get my hair cut. I have to do this. I have to do that. And I'm like, well, where is it written down? What? I go, you're managing life in your head. Our heads aren't, man aren't meant for that. Our heads are meant for us to be able to process and function and solve problems and move forward. Remember, calm most of the time, short intervals of stress followed by recovery and calm. That's how we're designed. So when we keep so much junk in our head that there's no room for love or joy or happiness, we have totally undermined the purpose of our mind. So you write it all down, put it in a calendar. Like every Sunday, I write down what next week is going to hold. I make sure my calendars, I, well, I make it pretty. It's all color-coded, but I put everything in there. Everything, sleep, my creative time, my food, my clients, my recording podcast time, all of it. I put it all in there. I plan out the week. And then I let that calendar help me with my decisions during the week. So I don't have decision fatigue at the end of the day because I just followed the calendar. I was able to be mindful of how I show up because I know, because it's color-coded, exactly who I need to be. Is the mentor, Diane, showing up to this? Is it, is it somebody who's just having Zoom tea with me and I'm just going to hang out and have tea with them? What part of me, what are the multifacets of me are going to show up for that particular meeting, right? So you manage your calendar so that you write it all down. Like, I cannot tell you everything that's on my calendar tomorrow. I know some of it, but I don't know all of it. I don't need to because it's there. It's taken care of. My brain is free. My space is free. I won't be overthinking tonight. Oh, my God, what do I have to do tomorrow? Or, oh, no, what do I have to wear tomorrow? Or any of that. I won't be thinking about that tonight when I go to bed. I'll be able to go into dream time happy, calm, peaceful. So just something as simple as writing it on a calendar even the, even the everyday things so that you can free up brain space for beauty and creativity and love. The next one that's a big one for me is silencing distractions. This world is so full of distractions, it drives me completely bonkers sometimes. And I'm sure you get frustrated too because they're everywhere. I signed up for an app I was supposed to get for a business project I'm working on. And I resisted it because I don't need any more electronics. But they said, oh, please, please. So I said, okay, fine. Well, the minute I signed up for it, the thing kept dinging constantly. Dings and noises and flashing stuff on my screen and distracting me. So the first thing I did is go turn all those off. And I go check on that app for that particular project on a regular basis. It's in my calendar. And that's what I do. And I informed everybody. If you need me urgently, you're going to have to email me or text me or call me because I'm not going to hang out on an app, nor am I going to allow myself to be constantly distracted every time somebody writes something because most of the time it doesn't have anything to do with me anyway. And even if it did, I'm doing something else. 
I got rid of all the distractions and notifications on my computer, on my phone. Like if you can turn them off so you can go check at your leisure when you schedule it, not when it dings to you. That kind of living as a slave, this delay, you know, people that have problems with delayed gratification and we're a slave, we have to answer right away or they're going to think we don't care. Or if somebody messages me and then I go, I didn't get it yet. And they get upset. That tells me that their expectation is not the same as mine because just because you text me doesn't mean I have to answer like that. Just because you call me doesn't mean I have to answer like that. I might be busy. And we live in a society that has great trouble with delayed gratification. More and more and more and more and more. Hurry up. You got to do it now. What about those apps where things only stay alive for like 24 hours and they're gone? So you got to answer now. And that keeps everybody in emergency stage. That keeps everybody ramped up. That keeps the cortisol level high. It keeps the anxiety high. It keeps the pressure high. And quite frankly, it, there's no good use for it. So take a stand and say, you know what? not doing that anymore. I don't need to be constantly distracted by social media, by other apps too, like all different kinds of things. We don't need to be distracted. All mine are silent. I check when I want to check if somebody needs me, otherwise they'll have to find me. And that's fine. The other thing is, is to turn off all screens 45 minutes or so before you go to bed. If you're one of those people that you're overthinking wakes you up at night, this is really important. Because the blue light and the screen and the input wakes the brain up, keeps it up. Got to think, got to do stuff. And we don't want to be stuck there. So if you're doing all that, like you're watching TV in bed, which, you know, I totally um, tell people, advise against. Then you're going to be creating a mess. So don't do that. Turn off your screens 45 minutes before you go to bed. Turn them off, meditate, journal, love on yourself. There's lots of things we can do without screens. And there's lots of things we can do to lovingly decompress our loving brain and love it into sleep time. That way then you won't wake up in the middle of the night. And if you do, you'll be able to get back to bed. So you want to start training your system. You want to have a good meditation practice. And meditation isn't just legs cross yoga stuff. It includes that. But some of my athletes I work with meditate by exercising, like running or swimming. They get in a zone and their inner, inner world is very still, even though they're physically moving. That's a form of meditation. Same thing with a lot of the musicians I work with. They're playing their music. They're in their groove. And when they're in that groove and time stands still, then they're meditating. And that helps free you from overthinking. So there's many different kinds of ways to meditate. There's also different biofeedback and biurnal beats. There's all kinds of things. You know, I use safe and sound protocol with a lot of my clients, which is helps reset the vagus nerve. And it's um, a really good music protocol. There's all kinds of ways to help us help our brain calm down off this addictive, compulsive, overthinking cycle. But meditation is really important no matter how you do it. I do a lot of walking meditations where as I'm walking, I'm, I have a cadence to my walk 
and I'll say something like every day and every way I'm getting better, better and better. Or I'll say something like God is with me and all is well. So that as I'm walking, the cadence of my physical body and the words in my head are focusing me on the present moment doing this activity, which then undermines a compulsion to overthink. Because overthinking becomes a compulsion and an addiction. And the only way to break it is keep putting different kinds of interjections, pattern interrupts, so that it can't keep running our lives. So those are some of the solutions for those of us who overthink. Now, overthinking is common with people with an intellectual overexcitability, the gifted people that like to think a lot and ask questions and ponder and dive deep. There's something wrong with diving deep or thinking. But when it crosses the line to overthinking, where that overthinking is controlling you rather than you controlling your own thinking, now we're in trouble. It takes a brilliant, gifted, talented person and re basically renders that person not nearly as effective or maybe even useless in a certain situation. So it's so much more valuable for us to know what our bandwidth is and stay within it because you were designed with your bandwidth right on time, perfect. You're perfect, whole, and complete. And so it's time that we really start working that way because all the fear in the world, all the upset, all the discord, all the craziness gets people amped up and overthinking. That overthinking paralyzes you from making good decisions. It gets in the way of your health. It creates more of a problem for you than you even realize until you realize how it's taking you over. And just taking a drug isn't going to help. It'll mask it. It'll knock you out maybe, but it's not going to help. What helps is making effective change within to support our neurology, to support our biology, and to support our health and our freedom. So if you're interested in, in doing things other than just taking a medicine, or doing drugs, right, to stop the overthinking, look into some of these things. There's all kinds of options out there and there's multiple choices under each one of the things I mentioned and there's even more that I'm talking about here. The point is give yourself permission to be curious, to be open and receptive, that just maybe there is a solution. You don't have to be a slave to overthinking. You don't have to be a slave to, oh, this is a problem, it's always gonna be a problem. You're the one in charge of your life. You get to dictate and decide how it unfolds, no matter what. You know, we've been trained that we're not in charge of our life and we don't get to dictate how it unfolds and we're wrong. That was wrong. The truth is we are in charge of our lives and we can make choices and we can do what's right. So anyway, that's what I'm thinking about today. So thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And know that if you ever need any support, or you're looking for some more ideas, feel free to always email me or contact me through any of my websites because that's what I'm here for, to serve the greatest good of people, to help all, inspire and educate all of us so we can keep growing forward, keep going forward. And so that as we all keep moving into the next phases of our life, the next day, the next week, the next year, that we feel joyful and happy and we're fulfilled. And then that is our success. So remember to keep your face to the sun so those shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star. <laughs> you are here on purpose. So let's not overthink that and just live in the flow of the beauty of your life. 
Until the next episode of Someone Gets Me, Be Well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.